Parshas Tazria. All of the days that the Tzara'as is upon the person, he shall be Tameh. Tameh he should be. He should dwell alone. Outside the camp should be his place of residence. When reading this Pasuk, we are immediately struck by the repetition of the Tameh status of the Mitzayrah. He shall be Tameh. Tameh he should be. And that requires an explanation. So we'll say as follows. The root Tum denotes something that is closed off. That's what the word Tumah means. And that is the principle underlying all the laws of Tuma. Wherever we find Tuma, we must understand that it is a decree of Hashem to teach us what should be avoided and shunned. So we read the Pasuk as follows. All the days that Saras is upon the person, he shall be ritually unclean. The first word Tameh speaks of the status of Tuma. He is an Av HaTuma. It's information we have to know. It's a technicality the Torah is teaching us. The basic law that this man is Tameh and makes Tameh anything that comes in contact with him. But the second expression of Tuma, Tameh he should be, is giving us the reason for the Tuma being imposed on him. As if to say, he shall be Tameh because Hashem desires that he should be closed off from society. He is Tameh. Because Tameh, shunned and avoided, he should be. Now that's something we have to study. Because we're talking here about a from Jew. He's a father, a husband, a loyal servant of Hashem who puts on tefillin and davens three times a day with the minion. His home is a kosher home and his children are all from boys and girls. He is one of us. And yet, one morning he wakes up with saras. And now he must take leave of his family and friends and make his way beyond the walls of the city to live alone. This friend of ours, a fellow Jew, is now Tameh. He's closed off from the rest of mankind. Badad Yeshev. He shall stay in isolation, meaning that even other Tameim are to avoid his company. So our fellow Jew is now sitting alone outside of the walls of his city. And there he will remain until the Tzara'as heals. He'll miss the Shabbos with his family. He might even be spending the Seder night alone. And it's no accident of fate here. The Rambam says that Tzara'as is not a natural form of leprosy. It's a miraculous phenomenon. Tzara'as is one of the miracles that Hashem provides to his nation. And that's why a Goy can't become Tameh with Tzara'as. Hashem miraculously sends upon a Jew tzaras, and now he has to be shunned. And it's not because of, con- of contagion or merely because he can be metame others. It's because Hashem wants him to be closed off from people. Hashem wants that he should leave the machane and he should be separate from society and dwell alone outside of the city. And that's because, actually, this man is a dangerous man. He may, he may appear to be very firm, but the Gemara says, one who speaks wrong words, he uses his mouth in the wrong way, is stricken by leprosy. And so we understand that this man misused the gift of company of people. When he was healthy, he sat around with his friends and wagged his tongue. Not only that he ridiculed and belittled, belittled other people, but even just to talk devarim betalim, is misusing the tongue. And so in the great days of Nevoah, 
the Nega of Saras spoke to this man the word of Hashem. He shall be Tameh, and he should be closed off from the people and avoided. He will dwell alone where he won't have anyone with whom to speak, and now he will begin to study the study of how a person is to use his tongue, and he will understand that the proper way to use a tongue is primarily by not using it at all. The Rambam gives us an insight into this. A person should always be producing a great deal of silence. You hear that? You have to produce silence as much as you can. Imagine you're producing goods for a certain purpose. Let's say you're making toothbrushes, or you're a tailor, or you're sewing suits. Whatever it is you're producing. So you have to keep cheshpen. How many goods did I produce today? Did I do better today than yesterday? What could I do different tomorrow in the factory to produce more toothbrushes? And it's the same with silence. A man should always be producing silence in this world. You have to think about that. How much silence did I produce today? And it's considered a service of Hashem. To you, Hashem, silence is praise. That's an interesting idea. Because we always understood that the, haluk- the halukas and the brachas are praise. Ashrei, hodu, and moidim. That's how we praise Hashem. And now we're being told that keeping quiet is the real way to praise Hashem. To produce silence is actually a career of praising Hashem. And that, again, needs a good explanation. And so who better to turn to than the Chacham Mikol Adam? Shlomo HaMelech tells us in Kohelas, don't be in a hurry to express yourself. Your heart, your mind shouldn't be in a hurry to say something in the presence of Hashem. When you're sitting at the table with your family, your friends, Hashem is present. So keep quiet. Hashem is in the heavens and you're down below on earth. Therefore, your words should be few. Oh, now something else comes into the picture. Elohim is now in the picture. Elohim is in Shamayim, above you, looking at you. And you're down on this earth. That's why your words must be few. If a man opens up his mouth and words flow out without restraint, so it means he doesn't feel like he's in anybody's presence. Let's say you were standing in the presence of the mayor or in front, or in front of the president of the United States. He's not such an important person today. But still, you wouldn't talk too much in his presence. You definitely wouldn't be shooting off your mouth. Now, if you are talking with the Gadol Hador, with, let's say, Rav Shach, Rav Moshe Feinstein, whoever is the Gadol Hador, would you talk much? If you have any sense, you wouldn't say a word. Let's say you meet the, the Sinter Rav. You're standing in front of the Satmar Rav, and somebody comes over to you. Hey, Chaim, what time is it? Would you say it's three o'clock? No, you keep quiet. You keep your mouth shut. You're standing in front of your Rebbe. Let him talk. You keep quiet. Someone who, with Chachma doesn't open his mouth when he's standing in front of somebody bigger than him. So the fact that you keep your mouth closed indicates that you realize that you're standing in the presence of Hashem. It's a demonstration that you possess a sensory perception of the closeness of Hashem. It's not merely words, theories. Just like you wouldn't talk in the presence of somebody important, you don't open your mouth in the presence 
of Elohim Bashamayim. You keep quiet, at least as quiet as you would in front of the president. At least that. If the president of the United States was standing here, you'd be careful with every word that comes out of your mouth. That means you believe the president more than you believe in Hashem. So now we can understand why this from man is shunned by Hashem, sent out to live in solitude. If he's hasty with words, if he doesn't think before he speaks, so he needs to be sent out where he will have time to think about this great principle of Elohim Bashamayim. The Mitzoyerah had to cover his mouth. Did you know that? It's an open pasuk. It means that he had to wear his cloak in a certain way so that it covered his mouth. What for? Because he was proclaiming to the world this lesson. Part of his kapara was to walk around dressed in this peculiar way. And he had to make a, a lot of noise too. Wherever he went, he had to proclaim to everyone that he's tame. So he is a man with his cloak covering half of his face, all the way over his mouth. And in his muffled voice, he's crying out, I'm Tomei, I'm Tomei. It was a strange sight. And anyone who saw him took his condition to heart and learned that he'd better get busy covering up his own mouth before the nega comes to him. And so we gained a lot by seeing a Mitzvah with his covered mouth. What we're learning is that no matter how firm a person is, he has to have hargasha, emuna, chushis, that he's standing in front of Hashem, and that's why he doesn't talk. What does that mean? Suppose you're an ordinary Jew who never worked on these concepts. You don't actually feel the presence of Hashem, but you'd like to do it. You aspire to become a maimon. Now certainly, you won't admit that. You're not a maimon, but at least you'll admit that you don't feel the presence of Hashem all the time. And so by training yourself not to talk, just for this purpose, each time you wish to open your mouth, you're reminding yourself, Hashem is listening, and therefore your words should be few. And little by little, you bring into your neshama an awareness of this tremendous principle, and you thereby achieve Yiras Hashem. When someone approaches you and makes a remark, don't be in a hurry to answer. You'd like to talk. You have a wisecracker or, or, or a rejoiner. You want to say something. No, I won't say it because I'm standing in front of Hashem. Sometimes you don't have to answer at all. If someone says something to you, do you have to say something back? Let's say a cow says moo. Do you have to moo back? A dog barks as you pass by. You have to bark back at the dog. So if someone speaks to you, Unless it's necessary, don't say anything. Just listen. Who says you have to answer? And suppose you must answer. Sometimes you must say something. So you should count your words. You know, some people are like a faucet. They start pouring out all they have. All the emptiness they have in their minds comes pouring out. That means that they're being Masiach Das from Hashem. A person must always keep in mind that Hashem is listening. Keeping your mouth closed and keeping your words few when you do have to speak shows that you have a muna, that wherever you are, Hashem is listening. If you open your mouth and you talk without restraint, so it means you think you're a free bird. It means that you have no amuna because belief in Hashem requires that we should keep quiet. He's standing right here after all.
He's listening to you. Now, in order to appreciate more this career of Yiras Shamai, we have to see how the Gemara and Chulin darshins a pasuk. As a matter of fact, the following Gemara was once used by the Altar of Slobodka Zichron Levrocha as an illustration of how to, appre- how to appreciate every word of Ma'amar Chazal. The Altar thought about every word that the Chachamim said, and he sucked as much honey as he could from the Ma'amar. The Gemara quotes the following Pasuk. The truth is, silence is appropriate. Only speak righteous words. That's the Pashat Pashat. But Chazal discovered some hidden gems in that Pasuk. First, I'll say the words of the Gemara, and then I'll tell you how the altar explained them. What is a man's profession in this world? From the word Umnam comes Umnus, profession. And the Gemara asks a question, what's your job here in Oilam Hazeh? And the Gemara says that the next world, the next word in the Pasuk, Ulam, Ulam, that's the answer. Yaase atzmo ke'ulam. Make yourself as if you were a mute, as if you couldn't speak. So we read the Pasuk like this. Umnam, what's your umnus, your profession? Ulam, to be a mute. That's your business in this world. The first thing we see is that man has a profession in this world. A profession means it's not just a hobby to keep silent. It's not even just a good thing, an added perfection. No, silence is your business in this world. That's what we came into this world for. Now at first glance, that's hard to understand because how could everyone have the same profession? If everyone, were, if everyone was a shoemaker, so we'd all have comfortable shoes, but we'd have to tailor our own pants. Without good Jewish accountants, we'd be paying a lot of extra money to Uncle Sam. So what we're learning now is that whatever you're doing in your life, that's only your second job, a side business. You have to pay the bills after all. But your main business in this world is to be ke'ilam, to keep your mouth closed. Now the altar, Zichron al-Vrocha, made the point that an umnus is not something that you just pick yourself up and do. You have to train yourself for a profession. It's necessary to undergo a course of training to learn the skill of silence, just like you would for any other serious profession. If you want to be a plumber, let's say, so you'll just, so you'll just put on a pair of blue overalls, grab a wrench, and that's all. Nobody ever became a plumber by saying, I decided I'm a plumber. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and get under a sink. And you'll have to lie there on your back and watch the master plumber for months and months, learning all of the tricks of the trade. You'll have to carry his tools for him and you watch. When do you use this tool? When do you open that valve? When do you close it? It's a chokhmah and there's a lot to learn. And if silence is our career in life, that means we have a lot to study. To become, a prof- to become a professional mute, you can't just buy a padlock for 50 cents at the corner hardware store, lock your mouth firmly, and then walk around the streets without worries. It's not that easy. If that's all it was, it wouldn't be a profession. It would just be a 50 cent expense and finished. But no, it's a profession. It's the profession of a person in this world. 
Now the altar points out something else in this Gemara that's worth our attention. It says, what is the profession shall Adam in this world? The profession of an Adam. It's this profession, making yourself into an Elam, a mute, that will cause you to earn the title of Adam. And Adam is expected to open his mouth unless it's just, is not, an Adam is expected not to open his mouth unless it's justified. And only the one who has mastered this art can boast that he's made it, that he's graduated. Otherwise, you're not an Adam. Maybe you're croaking frog or a blue jay. Something you are, absolutely, you're making noise after all. But you're not yet an Adam unless you've mastered this career of silence. Now what usually happens when I speak on this subject, I'll tell you. There's always one idealist who wants to get busy accomplishing. Why not? Rabbi Miller said so. He said it's a profession for everyone. A young, a young man who comes here and he's inspired by the words of the altar, he's ready now to make changes. So he goes home after the lecture and as soon as he walks into the house, he hears his mother talking on the phone. So he bangs on the table. Ah, 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 no, no, no. He wants to make sure his mother knows what her new profession is. So the author tells us that we have to know how to learn Ma'amar Chazal. The Gemara says, Ya se atzmo, make yourself into a speechless person. Yourself. Oh, that's a different story already. What are you banging on the table for? Get busy banging on your own head. Don't bother others. That means when a person comes home, to his, comes home to his wife and he heard my lecture tonight and now his wife wants to talk. She wants to tell him about what happened with the children today. And also she's talking about what her sister said and probably some other things as well. So she, he should let her talk about whatever she wants. He shouldn't say, keep quiet. In this house, we work on producing silence. He's a dumbbell. He's working on her silence. Yase atzmo. He has to make himself into an, into an ilim. That's who he has to worry about. Now this profession, this career we're speaking about tonight, wouldn't be so difficult if all you had to do was buy a padlock. Mazotov, you're an ilim. But that's not what Chazal are demanding of us. It doesn't say you should be an ilim. It says, ki'ilim, like a mute. Now know that the extra letter kaf seems like an unnecessary addition. It could have just as well said, make for yourself into an ilim. What's yaase asmo ki'ilim? Make yourself like a mute. What it means is that you can't padlock your lips shut. You have to, you have to make yourself ki'ilim, like a mute. As if, you, as if you can't speak. You have to talk and sometimes you have to talk and talk. But you have to talk like somebody who is an Elam. If you have to walk through the street, you have to say good morning or good evening to the people you see. You can't just walk around with a deadpan face ignoring people. Why should your neighbor suffer because you're learning a new profession? You come into, you come home, you come into the home, you have to walk in and say, How was your day, Hanala? At least that you have to say. You can't come in and be an ilim. A boy comes in front of the yeshiva. He can't walk in quietly and go to his room. He has to say, How are you, Papa? Something he has to say. He's ki'ilim, not an ilim, mamish. That's why the Gemara says, Yachol lakol. 
you might think that once you adopt this practice, so you shouldn't open your mouth for anything. So the Pasuk says, speak righteousness. When it comes to words of righteousness, you, you have to talk. Divrei Torah, you have to talk. Words of kindliness, you have to talk. If someone is sad and dejected, you must go over, put your arm around his shoulders and say a few kind words to him. Good things you must say. To say words of encouragement to your fellow man, to comfort a fellow Jew, that's what you have a mouth for. That's part of your profession. You don't have to babble though. Think of ways and means of making people happy by saying a timely word. If it's a child, then sometimes a little glut on the cheek and a word or two can be a lifesaver. Let him, let him, tell him something that buoys his self-respect, something that gives him the ambition to continue improving. If you tell your wife that she cooks well, that's very important, by the way. That's sedek. You make sure to compliment your wife when she serves you anything. Chanala, the challah tastes excellent. Now if she brought it at the bakery, make sure not to praise the challah. Find something else to be mishabeach. This chicken soup is me'ein oilam haba chanala. Now usually, it doesn't, usually, it does taste good. You can find many things to compliment. Don't be bashful. It's not the time to be ke'ilam. Now it's time for tzedek and even if it happens, an unusual incident when supper is not such a success, if you'll say it's excellent, there's no harm either. Only that most people have it all wrong. When they have what to complain about, then the words come gushing forth, pearls of wisdom. But when it's time for tzedek tidaberum, then suddenly this tzedek remembers his profession of being ki'ilim. It's an art. Sometimes you have to talk and talk, but you have to talk like an ilim. You're always careful not to say what you're not supposed to say. But what you have to say, you must say. So when you come home tonight and your wife says, what did he say over there? Don't say, um, say something. Say it briefly, but say something. Don't just keep your mouth closed. Ki'ilim like a mute. Oh, now that's already an umnus. It's harder than just lying on your back under a sink, studying how to plumb. And therefore, we should get busy practicing this profession of shtika, because it means that we're practicing the career of Yiras Shamayim. You're sitting at the table at the Shabbos Su'udah and everyone is prattling, prattling away, talking and talking and talking. So what do you do? You say to yourself, I'm going to train myself now for my profession in this world. I'm going to sit for two minutes, two whole minutes on the clock, and listen and not open my mouth. Let's say you were forced to go somewhere. Sometimes you have to go to visit your in-laws, your in-laws in Borough Park. You can't say no this time. So they're eating Malava Malka and everybody's chatting. Or maybe you're sitting at a chasana and all around you, all the tongues are clacking while their minds are being ground to pieces by the idle chatter. You can grab the opportunity for getting to work on your profession. So you're paying attention, you're trying to seem interested, smiling at the right times, but you're telling yourself, Chaim, keep the mouth closed. As much as you can keep quiet, because Elohim is Bashamayim listening. 
Now to make a career out of silence because of Elohim Bashamayim, that would be enough. That's our primary obligation in this world, to prepare for Olam Haba by training ourselves to become more and more aware of Hashem. But it's more than that. It's also your happiness and success in Olam Hazeh. There is a mission in Avos that says the following. Shimon, the son of Rabban Gamliel, said, All the days of my life I grew up among the wise men, and I found nothing better for the body than silence. Now, if someone on the street would offer you some health advice, I don't know how valuable it would be. Could be it's worth something, but you never know for sure. But here you have a man who spent years and years sitting at the feet of the sages, All my days, I grew up among the sages, and he heard many important ideas, many important attitudes, and he studied them all. And after many years of investigating, he came to the conclusion that of all the things that are good good for a person, the best one is shisika, silence. Now if Shimon bequeathed to to us this gem, it pays for us to study his words. He said... I found nothing better for the body than silence. He didn't say, it's the best for your neshama. It certainly is good for your soul too. But Shimon is telling us here that for your physical health, there is nothing as good as keeping your mouth closed. If you're worried about your health, if you're a person who wants to live a long, healthy life, then the first thing to think about is the remedy of silence. The best medicine of all is silence. Megillah. You know that most illnesses, most of the disturbances that take place in our bodies are caused by emotions that have aroused a raw reaction in our bodies. It's remarkable what a great effect emotions have on a person's physical nature. We are full of glands and hormones that stimulate the functions of the body. And if the body is overstimulated by emotions, like anger, tension, and nerves, then instead of being beneficial, these hormones could be harmful. It's established already in medical science. All over the body, there are results that come from wrong stimulation of the emotions. And how are the emotions stimulated most? Talking. Someone says something and you answer back. Then you talk and argue. And that's when the trouble begins. The metabolism is upset and very many people become ill as a result. A world of illnesses are caused by talking. Very many cases of cancer are due to friction, In human relationships. A man told me, do you know why I'm blind? A blind man told me this because he was so aggravated. These are his words. He was so aggravated because of troubles in the family that he acquired diabetes and became blind. Blindness many times comes from aggravation, from excitation. When people go to an eye specialist, one of the first questions they ask you is, do you get angry or excited? David HaMelech said, My eye became worn out because of Kaas. It grew old because of those who aggravated me. So if you talk to people and get into arguments, it's bad for your eyesight. And if it's bad for your eyes, that means it's wreaking havoc in your body. It's bad for everything. Heart failure too. You open your mouth when you could have kept it closed and the heart becomes subjected to too much stress The valves cannot take it, and there's a breakdown somewhere, a weakness in a valve someplace. Just by talking too much, there's quarreling, there's tension, nervous excitement, and your heart is suffering from it. 
I'm not saying that it happens all of a sudden, but gradually your big mouth is weakening your heart. And then one day, Khalila, it breaks down. I know a man who dropped dead in the middle of an argument with his wife. He was a fine man, by the way, a good man. But if he would have studied this mission in Pirkei Avos, he would have known, don't answer back. And that would have saved him. He'd probably still be alive today. Who told you to answer back? If you can be a diplomat and say something nice, do it. But if not, don't say anything. He was a firm, firm young man. He probably even knew this Mishnah, but he never studied it. And so he acted according to, according to his nature and he answered back. He said his piece and she answered back and it went back and forth, back and forth until he dropped dead. It happens again and again. Don't you read sometimes in the paper a certain man so-and-so died of heart failure? Where did, it, where did his heart attack happen? Did he die in his business because of his competitors? No, because people don't die because of their competitors. Did he die on the street because someone in the street insulted him? People don't usually die because someone insulted them. He dies at home. People die because of their wives. Of course, the newspaper will never say that. The obituary published in the newspaper will never say Mr. Anderson dropped dead Sunday night after an argument with his wife. No, no, it won't say that. It says Mr. Anderson died peacefully in his sleep at his home this past Sunday. But if you know how to read the obituary page, so you already know what that means. Why didn't he die at his business? Why at his home? The answer is at his home, he has a wife. And most people die as a result of words. I'm not saying he's right. Who told him to react? Who told him to bump his head against a stone wall, arguing with his wife? Do you know what it's like? It's like he's sticking a needle into her, a real needle, and she's sticking needles into him. Is that fun? All of their lives, they're needling each other. Only that his heart, his constitution, was a bit weaker than his wife's. You can't win an argument. You think you'll win an argument with your wife. You'll never win. The only real way to win an argument is to avoid it. So don't get excited over nothing. Keep quiet and that's all. Just keep quiet. And both of you will live longer as a result. And you'll live happier lives as well. Women call me up. They say, we have communication issues. My husband doesn't communicate with me. The trouble is there's too much communication. If they wouldn't communicate so much, they'd be much better off. In most cases, people will profit by not talking. In Mesichta Sanhedrin, it says, Happy is the man who hears people saying things that insult him, that bother him, and he ignores it. A hundred evils will pass him by. Memorize those words. Say them to yourself again and again. Learn to ignore any words you don't like. Somebody said something sharp to you, so shma, you heard it, but adish, it doesn't bother you. Pay no attention. Make believe you never heard it, and you'll be spared from many troubles. If your husband is mean to you, pay no attention. If your wife is mean to you, pay no attention, and one and hundred evils will pass you by. You'll live together happily for the rest of your life. Most of the time, a punch in the nose is a result of opening up a mouth instead of ignoring. Suppose you're walking in the street and a bum says something insulting to you. 
Forget about it. Don't feel that you have to stand up and defend your honor. Oh no, don't do that. I know a man who did that and he got beaten up. Don't even look at him. It's dangerous. As far as you're concerned, you didn't hear it. You didn't hear anything. Keep walking and in another minute, you're out of danger. And thank Hashem, you're able to keep on walking. If it's a goy who insults you, so you can give him a bracha that he should drop dead. Don't let him hear you, you though. Don't even mutter. Don't say it with your mouth. The mouth always stays closed. I was walking in the street once and two shkutsim, two young men, came over to me and blocked the sidewalk. They didn't let me go further. I couldn't walk. I was stuck. So I got out, of, I got out off the sidewalk and I kept going. I didn't say anything. I didn't even take a peek over my shoulder. Suppose I looked back and said, what do you think you're doing? What right do you have to do that? Oh, what would have happened to me? Don't be a chacham, a hero. I always quote to you the wise Chinese proverb. The Chinamen say, the greatest hero is the one who runs away. If you ignore and run away, you're a hero. And the one who opens up his mouth is not a hero. He's the loser. I always say this story. It's a tragic story. A, man, a young man from YU was going on Hamisha Asar B'Shvat, out, a Hamisha Asar B'Shvat outing to Madison Square Garden. He was with a group of younger boys, a Khurban of boys, a Chabura of boys with yarmulkes on. And he was leading them. And two 20-year-old Shkutsim were ridiculing the boys' yarmulkes. Now this young man, he didn't take the advice of Chazal. At least the Chinese he should have listened to. Instead, he looked at the Gentile boys with anger and said something. Now a goy blet, a goy. So the shkutsim went back to their car. They took out a hammer from the trunk and they attacked him. They hit him over the head with the hammer and they killed him. He died there on the street, Nebuch. That's why it says there's nothing better for the body than keeping quiet. Now let's say somebody calls you on the telephone and insults you. It happened to me a number of times. People have called the house and cursed me. You know what I did? I didn't say a word, not a word, and they hung up. It happened again a few months ago, and I knew who it was. I knew, and after that, he came into my shul one evening to Davin, and I didn't say a word, and it was finished. But once you start up with these people, who knows what's going to be? A word for word, and it turns into who knows what. There's no knowing how, it go, how it's going to end up. So just grin and bear it. How many people have lost their jobs by talking back to their boss? Sometimes their boss is in a bad mood, so just swallow down what he said. And it could be an hour later, he'll be a good boss. He might even promote you. I had that experience once. In my first position of Rabonus, a man once came into a meeting of the board of directors and he made a grand announcement. He said, Rabbi Miller, I greeted you last week and you didn't answer me. You didn't answer me, good Shabbos. He brought it up to the board of directors at a meeting, a complaint against the new rabbi. So the president of the shul came over and asked me about it. Now it wasn't true, but I didn't say anything. I could have opened my mouth, but I remembered this Ma'amar Chazal and I kept my mouth closed. I met this man again and again. He was a shul member 
and I was always friendly to him. One day he gets up by the meeting of the board of directors and he makes a motion to give me a raise. This very man. No one thought of giving me a raise except this one man. Now had I answered him back, it would have never happened. And so I learned the lesson that it pays to keep your mouth closed. I've seen it all. I've watched as people put themselves in danger by opening a mouth. Just because they answered back, I've watched good, pe- I watched good people lose jobs, lose customers. They lost their wives or their husbands, siblings and friends. And sooner or later, they lose themselves. They excite wrong reactions in their bodies and they end up sick. Many lose years from their life because of their mouths. And that's what David HaMelech tells us. Who is the man who wants life? We think it means eternal life, and that's true. But it's not the whole truth. There's more to it. Who wants to live in this world? Ohev Yamim. You're an Ohev Yamim. You like days, don't you? You want more and more of them. Liros Tov. You want to see happiness and good times during those days? You want to see yourself getting along well with others? You want a successful marriage? You want to see good health? That's all included in Liros Tov. Oh, you say, that's me. I want to live long. I want to see good times. But you don't. You're not really interested in trying to live long. You'll say it, you'll repeat it. You'll even sing it, but you don't think about it. You have to take steps to live long. And one of the most important steps is to keep the mouth, the mouth closed. Guard your tongue against evil. What does evil mean? Not only you, should, you shouldn't say derogatory things about people or quarrel with them. The real Lashon Hara is opening your mouth to say stupid things, to chatter and babble and say nothing. The general rule is to keep your tongue on the inside of the mouth and keep the mouth closed. That's the rule you should follow. If we live according to that, our physical happiness in this world will increase and we will attain a life of Liros Tov, of seeing good times. So we go back to the great principle that the job of a person in this world is to learn the skill of being quiet, the profession of being like an Elam. And before we conclude, we'll listen to the words of a great man, the Vilna Gaon. These words deserve to be remembered by us. For every moment... For every minute that a man muzzles his mouth, he'll be rewarded by that secret brilliance that no creature, no angel is capable of measuring its magnitude. The splendor of reward is so great for one minute of silence. We're not talking about a whole lifetime of silence. He says that for every moment that you keep your mouth closed, you'll be rewarded with a splendor, a brilliance that is so great that even an angel is not capable of measuring the magnitude, the extent of its greatness. I know that this is a very, that this is a very extreme statement, but the Vilna Gaon is a very responsible personality. So it's not only a profession of Yiras Shamayim, and not only is it the best advice for good health and long life, but it's a career that will reward you beyond your highest dreams. And so we have to get busy. How could you read about the Mitzoyda every year and continue to ignore the lessons for your own life? Even if today you aren't privileged to see the miraculous hand of Hashem bringing saras on a person, but the lessons remain as applicable today as they were then. As they were then. When Hashem separated a good man, loyal from Jew, from his family and friends, he was expected to learn this lesson of Elohim Bashamayim. 
listening. Hashem is listening to you. Therefore, your words should be few. And we no less than Him are expected to learn that lesson as well. And so we have to delve into these pasukim and apply them to our own lives. This man had to cover his mouth. What about me? Am I, am I an Adam yet? Am I producing enough silence? Am I succeeding at my profession of making myself ke'ilim? And so when we study this parsha, we can't just let it pass by. As often as, you can, as often as you can during the day, a minute here and a minute there, you remind yourself that it's your job to be as silent as you can. Not complete silence, tzedek tedaberum. But as far as everything else, we will try to be as careful as possible. And remember that to you, Hashem's silence is praise. And thereby we gain the great reward of Hashem, a reward unknown even to the angels. Have a wonderful Shabbos.